before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Hey guys, today I've got Coach Dwayne Deaver with me. Coach Deaver is currently the uh, offensive line coach and track coach at Goose Creek Memorial High School in Baytown, Texas. He's got over 20 years coaching experience at the high school level, and he's coached uh, everything from the offensive line to quarterbacks uh, with uh, you know, a little bit sprinkled in, in between there. So, uh, Coach Deaver, how you doing? How's everything going today? Man, everything is great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to talking with you. You know, we've, we've, uh, I'm not sure if we've really touched, uh, if we've crossed paths much on Twitter before, but uh, you reached out, and I'm looking forward to, to finding out a little bit more about you and getting to know you. So, uh, great. This, this is exciting. Um, <laughs> Uh, first question I've got for you, and you know, you've coached for a long time. Talk to me a little bit about how the offensive line played a uh, played an important role in some of the successful teams you've had. Um, I tell people all the time the most important positions on any team are the offense and defensive lines. If you are not successful at those positions, you won't be successful as a whole unless you just have Division One players everywhere else. Right. Um, the Everywhere I've been where we have had just better than average, I won't even say dominant, just better than average offensive lines, we've been successful offensively. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest deal we have to fight through as offensive line coaches is not getting what is left over. <laughs> right. Uh, that's, that's typically what happens in, in most places is everybody that the defensive line coach doesn't want ends up being an offensive lineman. Right. Even, and sometimes even the, the, the slow linebackers end up on the offensive line. Right. You know, and so. It's some of the, and not, not to interrupt you, uh, you know, unfortunately that happens sometimes. Sometimes you can find a nice little diamond in the rough though when, when, when you get those things. But uh, those, are, those are rare and few and far between. Exactly. And, and the funny part is, in my experience, um, what ends up happening is you get this sophomore. Uh, nobody wants him, so he ends up playing D-line. I mean, offensive line. Mm -hmm. Then you uh, trim him down a little bit, work on his footwork. Uh, about it, and, and he's a pretty good kid as a junior, may even be a starter for you as a sophomore, uh, just because of need. Then he develops into this great offensive lineman, and now the D-line wants him back. Right. <laughs> right <laughs> that's that's so true i've seen that too often that's that's absolutely right it, it's it's crazy how that works that that they put you you know but that's a i think that's a testament to to the position of the, the guys that coach the offensive line how much exactly. how much time and effort they put into the the craft exactly i tell people all the time we got the uh we typically as as freshmen we get the, the slow-footed and the sloppy. Right. And then we try to make something out of them. And so many times we build those guys into small college or maybe even D2 or, or FCS kids. And that's the biggest thing out of it, how much those kids will work to make themselves better in right. order to leave their, their situation. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, again, that, that just – 
that's a testament to us as coaches and truthfully those guys as players because they they put in the work and and they they reap the benefits exactly exactly and that's the beauty yeah that's the beauty just put in the work and see what your check looks like right yep I, i love that that's right yeah i love it um you know one of the interesting things on your on your biography and, and something I kind of wanted to delve into was um, you played football at Rice for two years uh, before transferring to Texas Southern. And right. at, at Texas Southern, you competed in track and field. Um, we're, we're a throws guy. Um, tell me a little bit about that transition. And, and, you know, was it was it tough for you having to give up give up football as a player or, or were you able to to kind of get through it? It was a little weird. Um I went into college with that whole NFL dream, mm-hmm. as most do. Um, well, many, I ain't gonna say most, as, <laughs> as many do. Uh, thought I was pretty good. Um, was humbled my first year being redshirted and um, had quite of a, a fight over the, the second year. And I started looking at the numbers and seeing how my measurables didn't fit NFL measurables mm-hmm. um, and started thinking about my future. Um, I was already, I was not really happy at Rice. Okay. Um, second, into my second semester, uh, coaches that recruited me, the whole staff left. When I And when I say whole staff, there was not a coach left on that staff. Wow. from the previous regime. The only people that were left were uh, our strength coach and actually the assistant strength coach, Jeff Madden. Um, I met him when I was right before I turned 18 years old and we're still friends friends now. That's cool. Um, so in that second year, I was like, I the guys came from the East Coast. Um, it was a different mindset about football. Um, and it was okay. You're at the time 260 because you got to remember this is in the 80s, right? I'm about 260, and they told me I needed to be down to 240, 245. And I'm thinking, okay, Jerry Ball is playing across the line and he's 315. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work, <laughs> right? So, um, for me, it was track was always. My first love, uh, I tell people track was my first love and football is where the money was. Yep. Um, so that's it. when I was blessed to have my uncle who I grew up with. I didn't grow up with mom and dad. I grew up with my mom's brother and his wife. Um, he was sitting next to the track coach at TSU at the regional track meet and they just struck up a conversation and the track coach like, yeah, I was trying to get a, dis- a shot and discus guy out of uh, Lamarck. And, uh, but I, I heard he went to Rice. <laughs> and Mark's like, yeah, that's my nephew. And he's, <laughs> he's transferred. So it was, I always tell people, there are, there's not a such thing as coincidence for me. Right. I always think it's divine providence. Because sure. out of all the places you could be sitting at a track meet, you're sitting next to the person that raised me and wanted to recruit me or in the same place at the same time. Right. So the transition was not as hard as it could have been because I was not six, four, six, five. um, And I knew that the NFL wasn't going to be a stopping point for me. 
So it was a lot easier to say, why am I beating myself up for nothing at the end? Right. And for the whole thing was about degree. At that point, it was get my degree and stop beating up my knees and shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was pretty easy for me. Yeah, it was pretty easy for me. That's that's cool. And, and I mean, the, the thing about it, too, and, you know, it's you still get to compete every day, whether it's against yourself in the weight room or out in the, uh, you know, out throwing or, or in a meet against, you know, opponents. So right. it's, it, it, that's, that's the great part about it. I think that's what so many young kids these days that don't participate, you know, we're going to, I'm going to get on my, uh, my high horse about multi-sport athletes here a bit, but yeah. th those young men and women who don't participate in, in, in other sports, I, I think they don't realize that the competition factor is, is just as high, if not higher, in those um, in those secondary sports as it is in, in in their main sport, and and you know I'm sure you get that now coaching track and field and and uh, you know trying to get trying to get as many young men and women out from your high school out to, to that to that program as, as you can. So uh, exactly. you know, but that that's cool. That's 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 awesome. That you know, it's so life is so funny for for you to have had that happen where. Uh, you know, your uncle sitting next to the guy who was trying to recruit you in the first place and, and, and everything kind of was able to fall into place for you. So uh, exactly. that, that's pretty cool. Um, exactly. It, it was a blessing. Trust me. It was oh, a yeah. Blessing. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, one of the other things on your on your Twitter bio that we didn't I, I forgot to mention that we haven't talked about yet. Um, you are also the recruiting coordinator at your high school. Uh, you, you know, that's something you said, you said, told me over, over messages, you've been doing that for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that obviously in the, in the very, uh, you know, in the very recent, recent times has become much more of a thing at the high school level. Um, how, how have you handled that and how have you seen it change and adapt in, in your, in your time and experience doing that for, for Goose Creek? I can tell you this, starting out um, when I first started and was kind of delving into recruiting a little bit mm -hmm. uh, for those kids that were not getting the doors beat down, it was look on the internet, find a phone number or an email address, email or call that coach. Right. And it was so mundane in trying to contact folks because there was not a centralized list. There was nothing, it, it was it was a lot of grunt work. Right. A lot of grunt work. And now there are various platforms that are offering information. Um, for us at Goose Creek, um, I just happened to come across a software, Haystack Sports, giving them a shout out. Um, hmm. They have a database where you can contact any coach, any sport, any school at every level. And that has made it so easy for me because everything is centralized. I can go in and um, what I try to do is I make it interactive with the kids. Mm -hmm. Before, recruiting was strictly coach to coach. With Twitter and with the software that we have, it has become more kid to coach. Right. We steered them in the right direction, but a lot of the work with this software, 
because I want them to invest in themselves because I could go in with the software because we make sure that everybody has the same basic password according to your school year. So we use a mascot school year kind of platform for sure. your password. So I can get in. I have a prospect list still. There are some still uh, coaches who want a prospect list and things like that on paper. Um, I can still share that. But with that prospect list, I can go in. I can log into their profile on the software that we use. And we're blessed because our district actually bought the software. In our, my first year, our head coach bought it for our school. The second year, because of the success that we had, our district bought the software for all three schools. Uh, we are a three school district. School district. Okay. Um, what has happened is a lot of the emails and phone calls that never get answered, it's a lot more response now. And the beauty of it is those parents that were coming in thinking that we weren't doing anything for their kids, the software we use now, it gives every time a coach opens the email, um, views their video or sends them a message back through the software, they get a text message on their phone. Okay. So, so we are covered now. Right. <laughs> yeah, we are covered. So um, there's a lot more, it's a lot less regional than it used to be. Sure. With the smaller schools. Um, the power fives, group of fives, FCS, and even some D2s, they might be all over the country. But I tell people all the time, your program is winning with D3, NAIA, and JUCO kids. That's where the bulk of your kids are right. when you really break it down. So everyone doesn't have the budget to say, I'm in Wyoming and I'm going to come to Houston to recruit kids. Um, and that's the, that's the situation we, we have had, we have been able to cross, um, because they're surely, even when they come to Houston, it's not a lot of people that know where Baytown is. Right. So having contact with these guys and being able to put information in front of them, it has been a great deal. This past recruiting class, um, I was able to get a hundred percent of our kids offered. Wow. Now, some of it financial might not be able to go to everybody's not able to go to the schools that they thought they were going to go to. Right. But that's when I just, I just drilled down and say, okay, let's find something else. Right. Um, but that's the, the passion for me in all of this is getting kids out of their neighborhood. Sure. Sure. That's where my passion is. I'm an O-line guy at heart. Don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm old line to the day I die unless I have to coach something else, you know, when I get a, my next OC position. Right. But for me, the biggest benefit I get is getting a kid out of his neighborhood into a school and getting a degree. And the, the thing that I tell my kids is I want two things from you. A long sleeve dry fit shirt that I can represent <laughs> you and your degree, a picture of your degree. That's right. all I want. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's, I think, unfortunately, from my experience, 
seen some of those guys that label themselves as quote unquote recruiting coordinators, they, uh, they only like to do it for the clout. It seems like, and for the, Mm -hmm. the Twitter mentions, Mm -hmm. um, for you though, I mean, honestly, that, that, that's, that's fantastic. I think that's great that, that you've got that mentality and, and, you know, you've been coaching long enough that you want to, like you said, you want to see those guys be successful. Um, and, and, and it, from your comments, it's not just on the field. You want to see them successful off the field as well. And, and, and there aren't enough schools that have guys like that putting in the work for, for their student athletes. Um, and, and so for that, that, that's awesome. I applaud you on that. And, and, you know, you. wish you and all your guys the best of luck as you continue that. Cause I, I think, I think it's such an important thing for these guys to realize that football is an, a great opportunity to get that top-notch education um, because not everybody can go D1. Like you said, not everybody can go power five or group of five. And yep. it, it's, it's a, it's a great experience for those guys to be become successful young men and women. So that, that's great. So trust me, I love it. I think, uh, I think parents are really appreciative. Sure. Um, because everybody doesn't have a fully loaded Escalade in the driveway every, you know, to be able to pay for their kid to go right. to school. Right. But I tell these kids now, you know, I've, I've come across kids that say, well, I want to walk on here when they've had a full scholarship. And I tell them the first three years, you're going to pay to go to school. Right. <laughs> right. So I don't know if your if your folks have a, a fully loaded expedition or an Escalade sitting in their driveway, but that's what you're about to give up. Right. So the, 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 the biggest thing I think is getting into a kid's head and letting him know who he really is. Right. Um, everybody can't go to Clemson. Everybody can't go to LSU. Everybody can't go to Texas. You know, there are some kids that's going to go to smaller schools and be very successful. Yep. You know, and if you do think you have the talent to go to the next level, the NFL will find you. Oh yeah. Just like college will find you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You'll get you. Yeah. They'll, they'll, the, the tape gets around to everybody eventually. So that's, that's 100%. They will, if you're good enough, they'll, you'll get found. I, I don't think exactly. enough guys realize that, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth right there. The most important thing is the name on the back of the jersey and not the name on the front. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Making that decision. Yep. 100%. Um, you know, one other thing, last question uh, before we kind of wrap things up, you talked about your next opportunity as an offensive coordinator and you've got, you've got quite a bit of experience in that, you know, the, the one, we usually don't talk too much X's and O's on here, but I'm just kind of intrigued. Um, you know, the, the day you get your next offensive coordinator opportunity, talk to me a little bit about your process of, of installing the offense, how you do things, kind of what your, day one through day five kind of installation if you want to go through it how, how does that work for you what do you what do you kind of do what makes your offense unique in that regards um the first thing is i'm a wristband guy okay um, i don't have kids to memorize a lot of things uh we the offensive line probably has the offensive line and quarterback has the hardest job mm-hmm. because they have to know how to do things traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to ru- uh, run power, they have to know the rules for power because I can't tell you what to do 
because I don't know what the air going to be in 100% of the time. Right. So we, we have to know what we're doing. Even in the past sets, same thing. You have to know who we're blocking based on what the set is. Um, quarterbacks have to know what the play ending, the, the pass ending points are. And that's what I teach. I teach ending points, not what the route combinations are. Okay. Because I have the ability to make a switch call and the inside guy and the outside guy switch where they end up. So let's say we're running flood. We could be running traditional flood with a go route, uh, a 10 yard out flat route. Sure. If I call, make a switch call, it would turn it turn into basically a curl by number one, a corner route and still have that flat route. Okay. Still the same ending points. Right. Different ways of getting there. So the quarterback has to know ending points, not necessarily what routes are being run. Um, when installing plays, I, I believe in, in installing inside zone, either counter or power according to what my, what my kids look like. Mm -hmm. One screen, one quick game, one drop back pass. We're going to install that day one. And we should have done that during the off season a little bit. Sure. But for those kids coming in, if it's a new install, that's what they'll see. And then we'll run that again the next day. Then we'll install the next set of plays, whether it be like outside zone. And if I did counter the first, the first gap scheme, then it'll either be power or ISO the second install day which would be day three. Um, you go, so you're going to install, rep, install, rep, install, rep through the first 15 days. Okay. And I have a 15-day calendar. I have a 10 and a 15-day calendar according to whether we have uh, spring or not. Sure. So um, that's what allows me to do things. But the biggest thing is for receivers, I tell receivers who to block. It might be number one, number two, number three in some manner. Uh, and they we number outside in just like defense is number outside in at, at receiver. Um, and kind of tell them what to do. Because I think if kids are sure, they're fast. Mm -hmm. um, if you have to think about who you're supposed to block based on what defense they're in and all these other rules that people come up with, it makes you slow. Right. So our, my kids are able to run fast and do things fast because they can just read what they do right. instead of remember what they do. Yeah. But it's basically a, 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 a install and rep type of situation. So you won't see a new play on until day three. Okay. But they, there are number days of new plays. Okay. And that way it makes it a, a situation. Now, on those, that third day, we're still going to rep day one, day one and two stuff, but it'll be fewer reps in the script. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so we still will run. Day three, we're going to run inside zone in a group situation, whether it's team pass, team run. We'll team run, we'll still run inside zone. 
but then we're going to add counter to it okay um and things like that so we will it'll be a situation where you're going to stack learning every three days right awesome i, th I think that's great i think uh, you know i'm i'm, I'm kind of taking my own notes from from things but i think the 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 point about knowing the ending points for the routes is that's that's huge i think especially for for the the complication of routes that sometimes people have these days i think if you can if you can tell those guys where the route's going to end it's going to be a lot easier for, the, for them to complete some of those passes than trying to to wait on 85 different breaks that are going to happen or you know what the the the, the speed of the game as, as it goes on so um that's awesome i love it i love that stuff so Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, last question I've got for you, Coach, then I'll, I'll let you go. Um, if you could put together a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen um, from guys you played with, guys you have coached, or guys you're just a fan of, who would be on that five-man offensive line? Wow. <laughs> um, if I'm going coached and played with, Mm-hmm. Courtney Hall would be my center. And sadly, I found out that he passed away on Thursday night. Oh, wow. Uh, my condolences, coach. Thank you. Thank you. He was my, uh, he was my classmate coming into Rice, was the youngest player ever in the Southwest Conference, and for a lot of years was the youngest player ever to play in the NFL. He played for the San Diego Chargers. Wow. Um, he would be my center. Um, I have a kid right now, Travion Newsom, that's at Southern University. He would be one guard. Um, Kelvin Drake, who I coached at Galveston Ball, would be my other guard. And I have two senior tackles right now that would be my tackles. Riley Banks is a 6'7", 280-pound. We moved in the left tackle. And Ethan Dyson is a... Six three ish, uh, two hundred sixty five pound tackle that we just moved to the right side. Awesome. So that that would be my Mount Rushmore of played and coached with. Love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, we're gonna get you out here. Do me a favor before uh, before you go. Um, drop your Twitter handle and any other information you want the listeners to know. Gotcha. My uh, Twitter handle is at Coach underscore Deaver. And once you follow me there, you'll see some other platforms because I'm actually doing the recruiting thing on the side. So um, I have another account there, but I'll leave that for later. Okay. <laughs> um, and um, any questions about re the recruiting situation, software we use, feel free to drop a line. Awesome, Coach. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Um, best of luck this, uh, this track season, best of luck, the, uh, the upcoming football season and looking forward to, to talking with you down the road. By the way, let me, let me say this before we leave. Yes, sir. Uh, on next Friday, I have a girl, Rihanna Roberts. Uh, she is going to the state track meet uh, and throwing at one o'clock next Friday. Awesome. Well, good luck to her. Hopefully, uh, hopefully some, some good things come out of that. And we see a little bit of, uh, some trophies and medals coming up next weekend. Definitely. Thank you. Awesome, Coach. Well, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform.